Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. So who here has seen the first movie, Back to the Future? Keep your hands up if you actually saw it in 1985. Wow, pretty good. All right, a little bit of trivia for you. Who was the primary band on the soundtrack to Back to the Future? Huey Lewis, yell out one song from the movie. Power of Love. Oh, that was pretty good. The power of Love. That's right. All right, get ready. Here we go. Back to the Future in 1985 tells the story of its main character, Marty McFly. That's right. He took Doc Brown's time machine, which was like totally rad which is how you said that in the 80s. Yeah. And it was a DeLorean. Yeah, the doors don't open this way, folks. They open this way. That means the car is sweet. So here we go, back in time, 30 years to go to 1955, where Marty enters the same town and the same high school except that he's now the same age as his mom and dad. And you know why he goes back? Oh my gosh, well, let me see if I can rattle your memory. Marty held a photo in his hand, and it had he and his siblings in it with his parents. And one day, the photo, his brother starts to kind of start fading away in the photo. And as the movie goes on, all of a sudden his sister is fading away. And then he realizes he's got to go back in time because whatever the choices his young parents are making, they're messing it all up and he has to go fix it so that he and his siblings can be born. Because right now it looks like his parents never got together. Now, the movie is amazing. We go back in time with Marty and all of a sudden his mom like has a crush on him. Ooh. <laughs> His father is getting pushed around by Biff, who's like the movie's bully, right? And so all of a sudden he sees his young parents and he's like, what the heck is going on? And here the plot thickens. Dum, dum, dum. The choices of his parents are really kind of messing up his life. How many times did you say that to your parents when you were in high school? Really, Mom? Come on, Dad. Well, in the movie Back to the Future, the characters are given this superpower. They can actually have foresight, and they actually have this retrospective of what's going on. So we get to see how those parents' decisions are going down, and so Doc Brown, that crazy, big idea, all things are possible, scientist and mentor to Marty, well, he gives Marty this incredible experience to go back in time, to journey through life, and to go back 30 years, and to look at his parents' hopes for the future, because they're all wrapped up in his. 
So to me, that reminds me of Endowment Sunday, where we get to go back to the future like Marty did. And we get to reflect on all God's children and the way that Jesus has called people to this congregation from the, from the very, very start. Now imagine, we're 93 years old, and before the first little amount of cement was poured to make the foundation in 1928, there were 16 charter members who were meeting somewhere, and they had a vision that there was going to be a church on this plot of land. They had a vision and a faith that was contagious. Sixteen people, obviously, can't raise enough money to build a church, and our original church was our chapel. Years later, when we had to build on, I can't imagine that session meeting, someone said, how about we pick up the chapel and we turn it around? And that's literally what they did to expand. We had a run-roof chapel with run-roof over the offices, and that's all we had. 17 roofs and 93 years later, we have the church as they hoped and envisioned it to be 93 years ago. How amazing is that? So as we go back in time to RGPC then, and back to those 16 members, what really stands out to me is, man, they were all in. They worked hard. They cast a vision to have a church in Livonia. And by the way, when this church was built, Livonia was a township. It would be 22 years later that Livonia would become a city. Well, obviously not having enough money, how would this chapel and offices be built? And it's the city, I mean township, that actually threw money into our property and our church and St. Mike's, and we became the first Protestant and Catholic church in Livonia, and by the grace of God and a lot of hard work and dedicated people like you, we're still here. Amazing. What vision they had. People saw it as a church, perhaps, and a building but not those early generations of Rosedale. They truly believe that the church, as God wills it to be, is the people. It's the relationships. And on the people, this ministry began. The Holy Spirit was moving in and around and through those early generations of Rosedale. And when people said, oh yeah, the church is located on that property, you know, West Chicago and Hubbard, they see it as a building. Do you know how we are supposed to see it through God's eyes? As a patch of land in the kingdom of God. Imagine. It requires living in hope in difficult times. It requires putting on faith, putting on love like our basic all-purpose garment, as Paul says. It requires us to believe. And it requires us to live out that good news of faith and hope and love, no matter what happens in this world. And just think about all the events that have happened over our time in this place. 
There's a really inspiring pastor and preacher and modern-day theologian named John Buchanan, and he says this, Jesus Christ comes when Christian people live in hope and they never give up. Jesus Christ comes when faithful disciples express love and compassion and work for justice. Jesus Christ comes when critically ill people know that they are ultimately safe in God's love and heaven breaks into earth when faithful women and men live in hope and give themselves to the world and the work of the kingdom. Yes, that's us. So, who do we see who's had a transformation in the Bible. There are so many examples, but I'm gonna to stick to that story in Acts, and it's actually about the first day of Pentecost when the church is built. And in the scriptures before it, we see the disciple Peter very different than we last left him at the crucifixion, right? He was in the courtyard and people were saying, are you with him, are you with him? And he said no, how many times? Three times he denied Jesus, and they all went into hiding, worried that they would have the same fate. But after a while, the Spirit starts moving. Jesus appears to them, and then he commissions them to go therefore. And look what happens. Peter, who was once in hiding and denying Jesus, is standing there right in the center of the temple in Jerusalem, preaching and teaching about Jesus and saying, Everybody can follow, and 3,000 believers come, and now we get to hear the scripture Tracy read about what life was like in that early church, and the common word you heard in whatever it is they did, whether they worshiped, or they fed the needy, or they gathered together, or they gave to the poor, and they took care of one another to the least of these, and to all of them, and they fed one another, was they did it together, always together. Isn't it true that when Jesus called out his disciples, they went together, sometimes two by two. When the work was plentiful, he gathered 70 more so they could go out two by two. We were meant to be together. And how incredible it is, the impact of let's say 12 disciples or let's say 16 charter members. Really amazing. Now Peter made it clear when he was preaching and teaching that God wasn't about just playing church. This isn't just something that we put on one morning a week. Absolutely not. Jesus wasn't haphazardly hoping that these 12 guys would get it after the resurrection and he ascended. Jesus, with great intention, called those disciples and Jesus, with great intention, still calls disciples, and that's you, and that's me. And we each have an individual call to live for Jesus, to follow in his footsteps in our own lives, and now collectively, as a church, to do that. Can you imagine Jesus being here today Rosedale Gardens, Presbyterian Church, my body on earth in this slice of my kingdom. 
The book of Acts is believed to be written by Luke, and it's the connecting link between the Gospels of Jesus and then the early church. So I guess the question for us today on this Endowment Sunday, when we're thinking about the generations who came before us and we're investing in the generations that will come after us, is can we say that we today are the connecting link of Jesus to those around us in our own lives and in this community and city and the world all those dollar bills going out farther than we can ever imagine right from this place on a national level on a global level going into missionaries amazing what God can do and then they go into putting food and seven paper bags and a ham to go with it that goes out to families in our area who are in need. Can you imagine, did you ever think people would just drive on up and we'd put food in their trunks of their car and a deacon would stand outside and pray with them? Amazing. Those 16 people, they could never imagine what would come, but they believed that it would, even though they'd never be around to see it. And that's investing. Kelly Bruce shared this quote with me that she found about the trailer of Back to the Future. And it actually says this, how we view the world determines how we live in the world. So Marty and Doc Brown believed that a time machine could take them back in time and wrongs could be corrected. What is your view of the world these days? Not the world's view. Not what you see on television. Not what you experience through other people, but your view. And does your faith play a part in how you look at the world and how you are in relationships to those around you. Does our view have Jesus in it? You know, the surprising thing about Christianity is that nothing is wasted in our experience because what happened yesterday can have these amazing implications for today. I mean, we are all living proof of that. Those of you at home and here today, whenever you watch this service, people came before us because they believed we'd be here still preaching Jesus and faith and hope and love, no matter what the world has to dish out. You know, it's really cool in Back to the Future, there are these amazing church life lessons. So here's a few of them. Life lesson number one. Small actions ripple throughout time. Now this is kind of an interesting trivia fact. I don't know if you remember this, if it's been a while since you've seen the movie. But at the beginning of Back to the Future, there was a mall. And the mall's name was Twin Pines. When Marty traveled back in the past, he traveled in this underdeveloped area where the mall would soon be, and there were two pine trees standing there before the mall would ever be built. Later on in another movie, he drives the DeLorean to escape Farmer Peabody, 
and he destroyed one of the pine trees. And in the next movie, lo and behold, it's not the Twin Pines Mall anymore, it's the Lone Pine Mall. <laughs> little details, little decisions we make can actually have something happen in the course of history. My mom was raised Presbyterian and my dad Catholic. And in 1963, a Catholic marrying a Protestant was not very popular. And they dated for a while and they got engaged and all of a sudden somebody said, well, what church are you gonna be married in? And my mother said, well, Presbyterian. And my grandparents on my father's side said, uh, no. And there was a fight. And my mom threw the ring. And she said, we are getting married in the Presbyterian church. That decision changed my life. And I'm happy to say they're still together 59 <laughs> years later. She asked me how long they'd been married. I said 59 years, and she goes, wow, that's a long time to be with your dad. <laughs> hmm. You just don't know what your actions will mean for someone in your family or in your world later. Lesson two, your legacy carries the future generations. So in the movie, we saw how Marty feared being rejected by his peers, and he couldn't handle it. And long after, we learn why when he goes back in time, because it turns out his dad, too, was bullied and struggled with being rejected. And remember, George, dad, was really into science fiction, but he held back his gift from everybody. He hid it. And then that legacy continued. But only when Marty goes back does he realize that now in the future, his dad has carried that gift and it's become his livelihood, his passion. What legacy are we leaving for the next generation? That's a question today. I believe it is a good one. Because I believe that all those people on that wall, those amazing, incredible people that came before us, they built a legacy for us now. And we are already investing in our future in the present. People love to tell youth groups on special Sundays that the future is them. And Kathy Marzoff and Kate and I believe that that's a lie. Because our children and our youth are the present. They are the present church. And boy, do they have a lot to teach us. Life lesson number three, RGPC needs to create something that stands the test of time. You know, the team that created that movie, boy, couldn't have imagined that 30 years later, people would still be watching it. And that's an important reminder we need to make sure that our vision of our ministry and mission is something worthy 93 years from now. I believe that with God as our focus, we will be here 93 years from now. I don't know what it's going to look like, sound like, be like, 
But I'm excited about that. I'm excited that my time and your time here at Rosedale is building up this foundation. And just like we couldn't imagine 20 years ago that we'd have Stephen Ministers and Rosie the Bus and all these ministries we have, committees even, we couldn't imagine where we'd be with military, first responders, the city, our engagement into mission, our relationship with nonprofits, the ways in which we are working today, we couldn't have imagined it even 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Imagine what it will be like 20 years from now, 90 years from now, 100 years from now. We have to make sure that our vision for our ministry and mission continues to extend well beyond the time that we're physically here. And life lesson number four is even if it looks like all the odds are against you, all things are possible. I mean, look at all the failed attempts of Doc Brown trying to get Marty, right, to come back to 1985. And then there's this moment where he has that aha with his crazy hair and his flux capacitator. Is that right? Did I say that right? And he says this to Marty, this is it. I have the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower at precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night, Marty. If we could somehow harness that lightning and channel it into the flux capacitator, it just might work. So Marty, next Saturday night, we're gonna send you back to the future. It wasn't like, well, Marty, I really hope this all works. I think it'll work. I mean, I really study, but um, it may not work. It was like, Marty, we're doing it. We're doing it. And I don't know if you remember, there's this big clock tower, right? And the crazy mad scientist, Doc Brown, is up there, and he's about to put the two things together. And all of a sudden, the clock hand moves, and it drops to the floor. And like George of the Jungle, he comes over this line and scales down as we see Michael J. Fox getting up to 88 miles an hour and just in the moment, the moment, it comes together, lightning strikes, and Marty is brought back to the future. You know, if we don't risk things that we can do here, if we don't risk starting things like a grief group, a support group for caregivers, if we don't risk inviting the homeless in, if we don't risk going out to Detroit and helping our sister churches, if we don't risk things, then we're going to fail 100% of the time. Because if you don't give it a shot, it won't take you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And this world is calling the Christian church to be bold today. In the words of Marty's dad, George, like I've always told you, Marty, when you put your mind in it, you can accomplish anything. Lesson five, put your own spin on it. 
hey, if you're going to build a time machine, why not build it out of a DeLorean? Amazing. You know, if we keep doing the projects or the things we always did and we keep doing the same thing over and over, eventually we may tire or that may become stagnant. So we keep things interesting and we put our own spin on our ministries today. We bring people together because people are going to remember a DeLorean. They're not going to remember a Chevy Nova. The last lesson, the future ahead of us, man, the sky's the limit, truly. George McFly learned that in his old high school days, after being bullied for so long, he killed his dreams. He wanted the girl, but he never asked her. He wanted a life that he wanted, and he let it go because others were cramming down on him, stifling him. And then we see him start to grow in self-confidence. The future became full of opportunity for him. And then it became a future of opportunity for his son, Marty. My favorite children's book of all time, other than the Bible, <laughs> is Harold and the Purple Crayon. Because the future is unwritten. It's a blank canvas, and we gotta listen to Jesus, and we gotta draw and create. How amazing it is. What an adventure this church has brought us. In the words of Doc Brown, who said it best, roads, Marty, we're going where we don't need roads. We're gonna blaze trails. I love the endowment fund. Every year, 4% of that interest, we get to divide it in 50-50, and we do amazing things inside the church and amazing things outside the church. So when you give to the endowment, you're not just giving to the future, you're giving to the present. There are so many things that are now a part of our ministry that we never would have had if we wouldn't have had generous people who risked something new until we could sustain that as a ministry and work it in the budget. And we didn't have enough money in the budget because we were building the endowment fund, we could come alongside some of these amazing ministries and support it, which is using the interest on the fund. So the endowment committee has this amazing goal they want us to reach by our 100th birthday. We got $320,000 in that fund. They want to reach 800,000. Can we do it? Is it possible? Absolutely. Just imagine what 4% of interest is on $800,000. How amazing. So friends, partners in ministry, the task ahead of us is never as great as the power behind us, and we live that with Jesus Christ. So I have this vision of the kids, and I'm trying to imagine them older, and they're adults, and they have that dollar bill in their hand, and they've multiplied it, and they're carrying our vision forward. They're the leaders of our tomorrow, and they inspire us today by the way they're shaping us. And I have this vision where they're standing, and they're leading, and God is saying, whom will I send? And they say, here we are, Lord, 
send us. May it be so. Amen.